Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Good morning, Oak City. Uh, My name is Jean Marie Floyd. I am the ministry lead for the Oak City Prayer Ministry. And um, I always like to put a plug in for the prayer ministry. Uh, You can request prayer. We have a dedicated team of people who would absolutely love to pray over whatever you're going through right now. And you can um, submit prayer requests at prayer at oakcitychurch.com. And we'd love to pray for you. So uh, this morning is going to look a little different. It probably already feels a little different, and that's okay. Uh, We're going to be focusing on prayer and worship today. And we're going to be working our way through the Nicene Creed, which I'm super excited about. We try to do this a couple times a year. It's been a while since we've done one of these services. So it is going to feel a little bit different, but maybe a little awkward, hopefully not too awkward. And I hope you will embrace the awkwardness as we spend more time um, worshiping God and talking to God and just spending time with God. Um, So first and foremost, what is the creed? Uh, If you're not familiar with the Nicene Creed, it's kind of a statement of faith, these fundamental, basic concepts of our Christian faith. Um, If you, you might be familiar with it, some churches, a lot of churches will actually use it as part of their liturgy every Sunday. You might hear it uh, in times of like baptism, Um, but it's something that just kind of restates what we believe foundationally as Christians. Uh, Why do we recite it? Well, one thought is that prior to, this is going way back in history during the Roman Empire, Constantine was the first Christian convert emperor. So we had an emperor who converted to Christianity uh, sometime around 312 AD. He came into power. But prior to that, the Christian church was underground. It was suffering a lot of persecution. And when Constantine came to power, it became obvious pretty quickly that the church needed some standardization. They had been spread out. They hadn't been able to communicate with each other very well. Um, So one of the things that Constantine did was he called this Council of Nicaea. And one of the things that they did was come up with this Nicene Creed. And the point of that was to kind of solidify the core beliefs of the Christian faith, to kind of stamp out some heresies, because there was some of that going on as well, Uh, and really just to unify the church. So that was the point of of this creed that came out of that. And it's based on an older Apostles' Creed. Uh, If you're curious about that, we actually have the Apostles' Creed on Oak City's website. Uh, But we're going to be working from the Nicene Creed today instead. And part of the reason for that is just personal preference. It's the one I learned first. It's the one I'm most familiar with. Um, So that's kind of the one that I decided to go with for today. I also think it just kind of covers in more detail some of the, the more detail, the facets of the, the Trinity. So that's one of the reasons we decided to go with that. So it's going to be up on the screen, and it's, it's the creed. It's not scripture, so we're not going to do the whole, this is the word of the Lord at the end of it, but we are going to say amen at the end of it. So feel free to recite it with me, and I'm just going to read through it. All right, the Nicene Creed. We believe... In one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God of God, light from light, 
true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and our salvation, he came down from heaven and was made by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He is spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. All God's people. Y'all did great. That was a great job. Um, so one of the reasons I wanted to share the creed with you and pray through this today is because it's, it's just been very grounding for me personally. We've, um, our family's been going through a pretty hard season the last three to four years. Um, we've had some challenging diagnoses. Uh, we've been walking with family through some pretty traumatic experiences, just dealing with high daily stress, high emotions, um, working through some generational sin. We've also been renovating our house for the last four years, which overall is a positive experience, but it just adds a level of stress and, uh, and instability sometimes. And honestly, I know many of you, if not everybody, has been dealing with some really hard things too. This is just... Um, this is the world that we live in right now. And that's not even counting things like, like COVID, whatever variety of COVID we're up to now, and everything else that's going on in the world. Um, when you go through trauma, when you're faced with really difficult circumstances, is it easy to trust God? It isn't for me. It's been really, really difficult to trust God. Um, I reached a breaking point in recent months. I started to question if God was even there. I got really angry. I stopped praying. I lost hope. Um, honestly, God just did not feel very safe. Uh, has anybody else been there? Anybody else been there, got the t-shirt, have a summer home there? Like it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a time. Um, so that that was a grounding point for me to come back to these basic ideas of the creed, and I hope it will be for you as well today. Um, so we're going to go back to that first part, just about God. I'm not going to make you guys say it again, but it's going to be up there for you to look at. Uh, this part is the part that I struggle with the most, honestly. Uh, it points to God's sovereignty, and why is that a problem? Well, for a couple of reasons. Um, it means that God is in control of everything, like everything. Uh, all the things we can see, all the things we can't see, the good, the bad, the ugly, he's in control of all of it. And the other reason is it means that we have to depend on him. We have to trust him. Um, we'll get back to that in just a second. I'm going to focus on the first part first. So the Bible tells us that God hardened Pharaoh's heart when Moses came to him and told him to let the people go. In 1 Samuel 16, God sent an evil spirit to torment King Saul. In Isaiah 45, God uses the king of Persia, who does not believe in God, does not know God, does not worship God. He uses him as his chosen instrument in that time. 
to help his people uh, be free from Babylon. King Cyrus had no connection with God whatsoever, but God was still using him. So I'm going to read from Isaiah 45. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel my chosen, I call you Cyrus by name. I name you though you do not know me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. We like to think about God being in charge of all the good things in our life. We like to give him credit. When, when things go well, thanks, God. That was a nice blessing. Thank you for that. Thanks for answering my prayer. That was awesome. Let's keep doing that. Uh, but what about the bad things? What about when we pray and God doesn't answer or God gives us an answer that we don't really want or we weren't expecting? What about those times, too? That's a hard pill to swallow. A harder pill to swallow. Coming back to that second reason that we struggle sometimes with God's sovereignty is that it forces us to, to trust him. It forces us to depend on him. And that's, that's really hard, especially when you can't see the whole picture, when you can't see what he's really doing. Uh, we, don't, we don't like being dependent. We don't like relying on people, do we? That's especially in America. Like that's, <laughs> it's kind of foundational to who we are as Americans, right? Um, I hurt my back earlier this year, back in April, and I could do nothing, like literally nothing, and there's nothing quite as humbling as having to rely on somebody else to help you go to the bathroom and take a shower and walk and eat. Uh, and while we, we were surrounded by our community, um, many of you supported us and brought us meals. Our, home, our homeschool community was great. They brought us meals and really helped out so that Daniel could focus on helping me. Um, I was super, super grateful for all the support we got. I hated needing it. I hated it. Um, we don't like being dependent on other people because we just want to be able to do things ourselves. Sometimes we want God to be like the cosmic vending machine, right? You put in the prayer and you get out the thing that you were hoping to get, that you pushed the button for. Um, but that's a really unhealthy view of God, isn't it? Um, it makes God small. It makes him easily manipulated, maybe even a little codependent. It's not the God we serve. And if we're honest we wouldn't want it to be, right? It puts a burden of control on us that we were never meant to carry. Uh, and it makes God too small to save us. And that's, that's not who we serve. So God being sovereign can mean that God has to make hard decisions sometimes. Um, he has to set boundaries for us, just like we do with our kids. If you've ever had to make a hard medical decision for your child, something that you know is going to cause them pain, you're still doing it out of love. You're doing it from a place of, of knowing more than they do. Um, but that's hard. And, you know, telling them that they can't have gummy bears for dinner. Like, it's just it, anything. But, but it's coming from a place of love because we know more than they do. And this is how God operates, too. So whatever you're going through right now, God invites you to stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to carry it yourself. And trust in his sovereign ability to be the God that's in control of both the good and the bad. He invites you to know his incredible love for you and just to rest in that. So this morning, as we're, 
as we're thinking through this, as we're thinking about our God Almighty, as we're thinking about the God who is the God of the good and the bad, I invite you just to spend some quiet time in prayer right where you're at, right where you're sitting. This is just between you and your creator. But do what you feel led to do. We've got, we've got some space in the back. Um, if you feel like kneeling, you can do that. Nobody's going to judge. But this is your time with you and God. So just pray quietly just for a minute, and then we're going to come back together uh, for another time of worship. Let's pray. Before we start this next song, um, I think it'd be a healthy thing for us to confess that none of us are always great at trusting God. Different seasons bring different things. So as we sing these next two songs, let's reflect on where we lack in trust because God does not lack anything. Thank you. 
So maybe this morning, instead of needing reassurance that you can trust God, maybe instead of asking, God, how do I even know I can trust you? Maybe you're asking, how do I know that you love me? The second portion of the creed addresses that. And it's, it's lengthy. It's the longest part, but that seems fitting because it's all about Jesus. And he really is the focus of our faith. Uh, it identifies his origin, his purpose, and his promise. So it's just kind of, kind of rotate up there for a little bit, I think, uh, for you guys to read over again. But we're just not going to read through it again because it's a longer part. So Jesus is God. He created everything. He's not part of creation, but he created everything. He's the part of God that really shows us God's love most clearly. He came to save us through his death, burial, and resurrection. He has the authority to judge. He sits at God's right hand, and his kingdom will last forever. And here's the best part. He's coming back. How do we know that he loves us? That's the question. I'd like to share a couple of quotes from this book. It's called Gentle and Lowly. We have, I think we have a couple copies out in the lobby. It's by Dane Ortland. And if you, if you really need to get acquainted again with Jesus, if you just need to spend some more time with Jesus, I highly recommend this book. It's, it's a simple read, and it's just very beautifully written. Um, so the author works from a scripture in Matthew 11 that says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So just a couple of things that from, uh, from gentle and lowly that addresses this. and says in verse 28 of this passage in Matthew, it tells us explicitly who qualifies for fellowship with Jesus. All who labor and are heavy laden. You don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. And a little later on he says, the cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. Jesus is not repulsed by anything we do. He's not turned off by our past. He's drawn to us. That's, that's the depth of his love. And then one more. It was the joyous anticipation of seeing his people made invincibly clean that sent him through his arrest, death, burial, and resurrection. How do we know Jesus loves us? Because he came just for us and he died for us. The Bible puts it this way in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus gets us. He longs to be with us. He longs to be close and understand our suffering and our pain. He isn't some distant God handing out judgments and commands. He's close. He's full of love and grace and mercy. And he, under, he understands everything you've gone through and everything you're going to go through. And he's ready to stand by you in that. I struggle with anxiety. My kids struggle with anxiety. This is a really familiar thing in our household. There's so many places in the Bible that say, don't worry, be anxious for nothing. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll get right on that. Uh, it's easier said than done. But even anxiety, even that, Jesus can relate to. Um, I had it pointed out to me recently that the passage talking about right before he gets arrested, when he's in the garden, when he's sweating drops of blood. Like, you don't sweat drops of blood when you're not feeling anxious. <laughs> he, he gets it. He felt that. And he cries out to God, take this cup from me. Let this, let this pass. Let me not have to go through this if there's any other way. If you've ever had a panic attack, you've prayed that. God, please, please make this stop. Please take this away. If you've ever watched your child have a panic attack, let me tell you, you're praying hard. God, please take this away. Please make it stop. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I have really great news for you this morning. You are the joy that was set before him. You are what was on his mind when he said, God, please take this, but your will be done. He looked past that, and he saw 
you. You are his greatest joy. You are precious to him more than we can ever fully understand. Going back to that earlier question, how do we know we can trust God? Because he sent Jesus. How do we know we're loved? Because Jesus gave his life just for us. He can't help but love us. It is his very nature to love us, and he died to prove it. So because I'm a teacher, you all get a handout this morning. There's a handout near you, hopefully, in your seat. Um, we're going to use that. These are like love letters from Jesus. These are just some, some truths from Scripture of how God sees us, who we really are, our identity in Christ. So I invite you this morning, uh, this is called Who I Am in Christ. You can take this home with you. There's extra copies in the back if you don't have one nearby. Um, but I invite you to take some time, look through these, receive this as who God sees you, how God sees you, who you are to Jesus. Um, pray through this. And we're going to actually, it was a little awkward before, it's going to get a little more awkward now. We're actually going to pray out loud. So as you feel called, to thank Jesus for all the ways that he loves you, or even that hard question, Jesus, I don't even, I still don't know. Do you really love me? Give him that. He can handle that hard question. So just as you feel led in the next few minutes, we're just going to pray aloud um, for a couple minutes, and then we're going to come back together for a time of worship.
Part of the creed talks about the Holy Spirit, and this is the part of God that can feel really mysterious and maybe a little confusing, but if you've ever found yourself asking, how do I know I'm not alone? This part is for you. In this part of the creed, we're told the Spirit gives life. He's worshiped and glorified with God the Father and God the Son. He's on equal footing. He's still God, but he's the God who's present with us. The Spirit spoke through the prophets, but he actively speaks to us now. He is Jesus in us, and that's how we know we're never alone. I'm going to read one more time from Gentle and Lowly, because I love this book, and you guys should read it too. And his way of saying it is this. The Spirit takes what we read in the Bible and believe on paper about Jesus' heart and moves it from theory to reality from doctrine to experience. It's one thing to hear he loves you. It's another thing to feel his love. This is the glorious work of the Spirit. Jesus told his disciples that he had to ascend into heaven, but he was going to be sending a helper. In John 14, 26, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then a little later in John 16, he tells them, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then in Romans 8, we read, Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Anybody been there before? You ever been in a spot where you're praying and you're like, God, I have no idea what to pray right now. I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to do with this. So Jesus sends his Holy Spirit, this third part, of the Trinity to bring us comfort, to bring us wisdom, to remind us of his love on an ongoing, everyday basis. The Spirit is our way of communicating with Jesus and 
who in turn makes it possible for us to directly communicate with God, even when we don't know what to say. And that's really comforting for me because I've definitely found myself in that place recently of just, I, I don't even know what to do with this. I have no idea what to say right now. I need somebody else to intercede on my behalf. How do we know we're not alone? Because Jesus loves us so much that he sent the Spirit as a continuation of his great love to be with us. So instead of a person walking around as Jesus was, we now have him within us, which is even closer and more comforting. So you have in your seat, or hopefully somewhere nearby, a note card. This is just a blank note card. Um, we're going to take a few minutes and just receive, just listen, and see what the Holy Spirit has to say this morning. Uh, you can write down whatever you feel prompted to write. You can take this with you and pray over this at home. If you would like other people to pray over your concerns, you're welcome to bring that up in a little bit during communion and put it up here, or there's a couple of boxes in the back you can put that in. And we would be absolutely honored to pray with you for your concerns. But let's take some time and just hear what the voice of God has to say through his spirit. And then we're going to come back uh, for a time of worship again.
for you to stay seated or if you want to stand or kneel and we're just going to sing and welcome welcome our God and acknowledge his presence this morning in our midst together
We're almost there, I promise. <laughs> Up to this point, everything else in the creed has been about God, his character, his promises. This last part is all about us. It's about the church. The power of the creed is that it connects all of us through history. It connects us to all the saints that have gone before and all of those that will come long after us. This is the part of God's story that speaks to us. Um, we're part of his great story of redemption and love, and his story is our story. So in this last part of the creed, uh, this, can, this one can trip people up a little bit with its wording. I had a friend who was asking about our church. This was several years ago, and I pointed her to our website, and she called me frantically a little later and was like, Dude, are you Catholic? And I was like, No, Why? It's right there on your website, One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. And I was like, okay, it's, it's Little C Catholic, and it just means universal. It's okay. And that's, that's not a bust on Catholicism at all. I have family that are practicing Roman Catholics, and I, was, I participated in Eastern Orthodoxy many years ago, so not a bust on Catholics at all. But in this case, God is really just telling us about his desire for his church to be unified, to be one church under Christ, through Christ, through his love, out to the world, to practice the teachings that Jesus handed down through the apostles. We're called to acknowledge that we need help with our sin. We need to repent and be saved. And baptism is the public way of saying, I've received this free gift that God gives me. I've received this redemption, this salvation through Jesus. And the last piece is really why we're all here. We hold on to Jesus' promise that through him, we will have eternal life, that death is not the end-all and be-all, and that we look with expectation for the life of the world to come, for the life that he is bringing when he returns. Can someone please say amen to that? Because that, that's worth celebrating. So as we conclude this morning, let's pray for God's church. This is Little C Church Universal, right? She's spread all over the world, and in a lot of parts of the world, she's not treated very kindly. So let's pray for 
the church around the world that's being persecuted. Let's pray for the church here in the United States who can be pretty confused sometimes, pretty divided, pretty prideful, if we're honest. And pray for Oak City. Your leaders really crave your prayers. Oak City needs your prayers. Um, This is going to get maybe a little, hopefully not super awkward, but maybe a little bit more awkward. We're going to ask you to pray with people that are nearby. So we're praying for the church around the world. We're praying for the church in the United States, and we're praying for our church, Oak City. So just with the people that are close by, take a couple minutes. We're going to pray for the church, for God's church. And then Jeff's going to come up and lead us in communion as we close out in worship.